Go-Go Media Nostalgia Show! This is the podcast where we talk about a piece of media that has been very important to a special guest of ours' lives and sort of examine what it has meant to them, what it continues to mean, and all sorts of good stuff like that. My name is Sheree Bruce, I am your host, and today's special guest is Kelly Bruce, my hey, beloved hey. husband. So, Mr. Bruce, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, your hobbies, where you're from, spill the tea. Well, you already got my name. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from McPherson County, born and raised, so I'm, I'm from here. Hobby, yeah. um, model trains, I work on lots of odds and ends, I, I just kind of, I'm a tinkerer. Yeah. Uh, what kind of things do you like to make? Oh, right now I'm working on a moped, um, repairing it. I do 3D printing, laser etching, vinyl cutting, quilting, you name it, I do it. <laughs> well, that's super cool. What are we talking about today? Well, I believe we're going to talk about the great infamous trilogy, Back to the Future. Great Scott. Oh, are we going to do the whole trilogy, or did you... Well, I, I'm good with just the, the first one, but the whole trilogy is, is really the best way to watch it. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree with that, but I feel like the, the first movie itself is very iconic. It is. Would you say that the Back to the Future series is rather typical of the media that you enjoy consuming? Yeah, um, I really like watching... Watching TV and movies, I'm not so much of a book fan. I have dyslexia, so it's hard for me to, to consume media that way. But watching and listening is, is really the way that I consume media. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of media do you normally enjoy watching? Kind of the sci-fi. I really like the time travel genre. Picking apart the time paradox theory of the different movies. <laughs> That's quite fair. Uh, we've always had a lot of time. A lot of good times with that together, especially when something doesn't make sense and you go off on a little mini rant about it. Mini tangent. Yeah, it's tangent a tangent universe. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. Can you tell us about who you were when you first encountered the first Back to the Future movie? Do you remember? So I do. I was actually my my parents are divorced, and I was at my dad's house, and he was flipping through cable tv and it was on some station i don't know what it was and i had him stop and back up because i saw this delorean this futuristic vehicle from the 80s <laughs> leaving fire tire tracks <laughs> and i'm like i've got to see this what what is going on here so did you miss the first part of the movie then the first time through um i did i was just getting in when he comes back from the past and he is watching himself get shot at by the terrorists. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, I've got to know what's going on. Yeah. And so I asked my dad, what movie is this? This is awesome. I want to watch more. And he told me, and it took me a couple of years before I found the box set. I did not know that there were three. I only knew that there was the one. <laughs> and so I found the box set. I still have that box set. And I watched that thing over and over and over again and analyzed it and listened to the director's cut and all of those other things that came out with DVDs in the early 2000s. <laughs> so what was it that really drew you in, that DeLorean? 
The DeLorean, yeah. The DeLorean with the fire trails. And then when I knew that it was about time travel, I'm like, I'm there. Whatever this is, I'm in for it. Do you remember any kind of, like, impact that it had on you? Did it have any influence on you growing up? Oh, I think it did. Because of the different time paradoxes, because I'm, I'm talking generally about the trilogy here. Because of the time paradox uh, part of it and the different theory about time travel in it, it influenced what I watched and how I looked at what I watched. I've always been a sci-fi nerd. I watch Star Trek and when I would see a Star Trek episode that dealt with time travel, I was analyzing how that affects what could happen in the future or what could happen in the past. So would you say that Back to the Future kind of became the yardstick against which you measured like all other sci-fi? Not not the yardstick, but it when it came to time travel, yes, definitely. But Star Trek was kind of that that yardstick. I think Star Trek was probably my first encounter with sci-fi as well. Just just a good old classic. So, for the people out there who have not seen, I know, I know, who have not seen the Back to the Future movies, can you tell us what you remember about the plot of the first one? And yes, I know you've seen it 300 <laughs> times. So, you know, give me a give me a brief summary. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Marty, our hero of the story, has a good friend of his, Doc Brown. Doc Brown has invented a way to travel through time. During the first couple of tests, Marty gets sent back 30 years to when his parents were in high school. He has to navigate high school and basically everything about his parents and how they met and he actually stops his parents from meeting the way that they were supposed to meet and so he was partially being taken out of existence because of this and so he has to rectify that and deal with the bullies in high school and, and kind of tie it all up and get back to 1985 where he was from when he was from Okay, okay. So yeah, you know, back to the future. Yeah. I got you. So, are you excited to share this with me? I am, I am. I know that we've watched it together a number of times, but uh, one more time will never hurt anything. Yeah, and it's always kind of nice to look at things with sort of a, a critical eye, because you, you notice more when you're, you kind of take off the nostalgia goggles a little bit and kind of get into it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we are going to sit down and watch this movie together. For those of you at home who would like to watch it yourselves and kind of pause things and come back later. It looks like it is available for streaming on Netflix and also on Prime Video. So pretty easy to get your hands on. It's a classic. We do recommend it. Uh, and in the meantime, I'll take you to a break where I share with you a piece of media created by a friend of mine. Okay, so let's go and I'll see you back in the future. Greetings everyone, I am Echo from Echo the Otter on Twitch. Are you a fan of watching people play video games? Do you also enjoy great commentary to go with watching someone stream? If so, then I'm probably not what you're looking for, but if you like watching people fail at video games and scream at the littlest of unintentional jump scares, then I'm your man. I play all sorts of games and even join up with friends for more shenanigans. Come collect channel points, aka otter pebbles, and redeem them for rewards such as feeding Lila the Tuxedo Cat or making me sing a song about something in-game. You can even join the Otter Raft by subscribing to my channel through one of three tiers or by using your Amazon Prime. 
I stream from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Wednesday, and at the same time on Fridays for Friend Friday. I hope to see you there. Welcome back. What wasn't that just a blast to the past? It was. Back to the 80s and 50s. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, hey, what parts do you think held up well? I think the, the entire movie held up pretty well because it was placed back in 85 when it was filmed. And back in 55, I have to admit, the set decorators did a phenomenal job in this movie. I have to agree. I really loved all of the background posters and just references. <laughs> and, and I commented to you during it, um, I didn't realize how dirty that town really was in 85. I mean, we were commenting that there was graffiti on the school and the movie theater was playing dirty movies. <laughs> and there was a dirty bookstore there in the town square. Though you have to admit, the uh, 55 town was pretty dirty itself, what with a manure truck driving around and all that. Well, back in 55, they had horses. That, I mean, horses, horse-drawn carriage was still a thing. Not in 55. Yeah, it was. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Do your research. It, it was. I believe so. Just a little side note. The horse and buggy went out of style in the 1910s. I looked it up. I love you, sweetheart. So yeah, a manure truck, that, that would be a thing. Now... In 2015, a manure truck would be totally out of place. Unless they were setting it on a farm or something. Yeah, but it was still in the town square, but they didn't use a manure truck in the second one. <laughs> well, we'll have to watch it again and you'll show me. <laughs> they flew into the clock tower. What parts of the story do you think didn't hold up very well? I was commenting to you during it that I want to know what happened to Old Man Peabody's kids. Yeah, they're never really mentioned again. Yeah, Old Man Peabody had all that land, and and it used to be Twin Pines Mall, and then it was Lone Pine Mall, if, if you notice in the video. Well, because Marty killed one of the pines. Because Marty... <laughs> you killed our pine! <laughs> <laughs> you space bastard! You killed our pine! I mean, there's also the scenes with his mom that are a little bit... Risqué. A little bit risqué. But then again, because it is such a period piece, it is... It, it gets a little bit more leeway, I think. Yeah, and the whole thing about she became more risqué because of meeting her son. Yeah, that's a little questionable. Versus, well, I mean, George was very prim and proper uh, for 1955. And so I, I do kind of get that, how she would keep her 1955 sensibilities long after. Yeah, and uh, after George finally gets some confidence back and becomes more of a, you know, more of a badass. I have to wonder, why didn't George, his mother, or Lorraine, or Biff recognize him in 1985? What are you, what are you doing? I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been 30 years. It's been 30 years, but you name your son after the guy that helped you guys meet. And he told you if your kid lights a carpet on fire when he's eight years old to give him leeway. 
And then your kid lights the carpet on fire when he's eight years old. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have a point. <laughs> that, that should have been a bit of a tip-off. They could have, they should have gone, hey, you remember that Marty, not that our Marty, but the old Marty told us that this might happen? <laughs> if you were going to redo this movie in a modern cultural context, what would you change? So, obviously, you'd move the time periods. Yes, well... I mean, that that is the big thing. And by changing the time period, you would also change different references, different posters, different signage. There's not so... I mean, we don't have clock towers anymore. Or if we do, they're not as as influential in our town. Yeah, they're not as prominent. Like, they're they not might, as prominent. They might yeah. still be there, but... But yeah, um, you, you would change stuff like that. What else? I mean, probably the soundtrack, because the soundtrack is such a big thing. The soundtrack was was the 80s, but you would need to get current talent that would be so iconic. The, the scene that I love, speaking of soundtracks, I love the fact that Huey Lewis, uh, as in Huey Lewis in the News, was in this when he's playing at the audition, and he tells Marty that you're just too loud. Well, that's something that you can just turn down the volume. <laughs> and it turns out if you, again, I, I've listened to the director's cut and all this stuff. I guess that actually happened to Huey Lewis. He got rejected once because he was too loud. <laughs> How did you feel about sharing this movie with me? It was fun to look at it more of a critic, less as a fan. Kind of pick apart the, the plot a little bit more. One of the things that, that I forgot to point out but was the blow dryer in his waistband. I, I saw some other things that I can't put my finger on it right now that were just kind of things I've never noticed before. Watching something that you love critically always kind of casts it in a new light, I think. Yeah. Part of that was the nudie shows and stuff like that. Oh my goodness, I'd never noticed that before. I never did either until I watched it this time and was really taking a look at the posters and signage. Oh no. Uh, having rewatched it again, is it still as good as you remember? Yes, but it needs it needs part three. It really does. If you're going to watch this movie, I recommend all three Back to back to back to the future. <laughs> well, is there anything extra that you would like to share about this piece or just media in general? Nothing really. Um, to really look at the paradox issues, you really do need to watch all three. The middle one is not really, in my book, is not really that cinematically uh, relevant. It does not hold up to current... <laughs> 2015, five years ago now. We're five <laughs> years out from that, and we still don't have flying cars or hoverboards. Right? Where's my hoverboard? Well, they have them. They just have wheels on them. Yeah, they're lame. <laughs> <laughs> and they start on fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, lots of things catch fire in Back to the Future. Uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's not really cinematically that relevant. But it's relevant to the plot. So you just kind of have to stomach through that one to get to the best one of the trilogy, which is the third one. 
<laughs> well, I did uh, say that I I'm partial to model trains, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll have to check it out. Maybe maybe for another episode. Maybe. Okay, so Mr. Bruce, is there anything that you would like to plug at the end of the episode here? Um, McPherson County Makerspace is an awesome place to build things and work on things. Of course. If somebody wanted a tour, who would they get in contact with? Either myself or Michael Yates or Michael Dunn. can all be reached at staff at McPhersonCountyMakerspace.org. Well, once again, this has been the Go Go Media Nostalgia Show with my special guest, Kelly Bruce. And Sherry Bruce, your beautiful, beautiful host. As usual, everybody listening, all of my creatives out there, and even those who might not consider yourself too creative, remember just keep working on things. You don't have to be popular, you don't have to be good. Honestly, just. Just make something. You never know whose life you're going to touch. So, until next time, everybody. Ciao. Ciao. The intro and outro to our program is Loving UA Hori by C.J. Marciano. Check him out at genericyellowbirdmusic.bandcamp.com.